I sit in the passenger seat of my father's old rusty pickup as we fly through the highway among the towering trees and boastful mountains to our new home. David bobs to a country song on the old pickup radio. And then I see it. The unassuming, quite depressing, not at all interesting sign to enter town. Welcome, it jokes, to Three River Pass. My eyes focus on Dakota as she screams at the sight of Josh Harbour's bloody body nailed to the wall, her hands on her face in shock. Raiden and Ryra flank her. I want to go over and comfort her. I, I want to scream with her. My wants are ignored as my sins start to burn, once again, forcing me to one knee. Ryder! Raven! We can't leave him up there! There's too many people, Dakota. We'll be seen. Not if you cover me with some sight casting. You don't have to cover the whole room. Just cover me. I watch Raven hesitate at Dakota's command before removing some chalk from her handbag. Curiously, Raven rushes to draw a circle on the ground around Dakota. As I'm trying to understand their intentions, Ryder stands in my view, blocking me from the scene. His hand is out to help me up. Are you okay? I try to look around him, but again he moves to block my view. Dallas, look at me. Nothing to see over there. I take Ryder's hand as if I'm allowing him to help me up, but instead pull him down and out of my view. Raven has finished her circle and is on her knees casting something I, I can't quite make out. Dakota has disappeared and is no longer visible within her chalk circle. A transparent wave is barely visible rising from the chalk circle like the waves of heat seen from a hot fire. I cautiously step towards Raven until I can understand what she's muttering under her breath. Keep from sight, keep from sound, conceal the circle, thus we be found. Keep from sight, keep from sound, conceal the circle, thus we be found. Keep from sight, keep from sound, conceal the circle, thus we be found. Keep from sight, keep from sound, conceal the circle, thus we be found. Keep from sight, keep from sound, conceal the circle, thus we be found. Dallas, you shouldn't be watching this. Leave before it's too late. Ryder tackles me from behind, sending me to the ground and interrupting Raven's chanting. As her casting stops, Dakota reappears out of nowhere within the circle. Her hands are in the air, her expression fierce even though she holds nothing, it, it's as if she's attempting to carry the weight of the world. She reaches out for thin air, dark wind surrounding her, waving her hair. As Raven returns to her chant, Dakota disappears again, like a flicker of a light. Damn it, Ryder! Keep from sight, keep from sound, conceal the circle, thus we be found. Keep from sight, keep from sound, conceal the circle, thus we be found. As Ryder tries to hold me down, I watch as Josh's body is released from the wall in a violent tug. He floats in the air, arms dragging behind him as he slowly descends. Ryder releases his weight from my back to go stand below the body. It's lightly lowered in the arms of the none too surprised Ryder. Ryder, can you hear him? Has he passed? Did he tell you what happened? I'm not really in the right frame of mind to question how weird Raven's questions are. Dakota, who has reemerged, is breathing heavily. Her body slumps from exertion. Ryder turns to the group with a gruesome look. I, I don't hear anything. I, I can't hear his ghost. No pulse. But no spirit either. It's like he doesn't have one. That's never happened before. I meet Ryder's gaze to the back of the room. Almost all the students are gone. Tina Matthews struggles with the camera, and it's unclear if she's been able to get anything on tape. Mrs. Gold, this is at minimum a daytime Emmy. These crazy psycho brats. Gideon is standing at the entrance of the gym. He's got a menacing and determined look about him. 
As he casually strolls towards the group, he raises his hand to his face, forcing it into a fist, and Tina's camera explodes into a puff of smoke. Dakota, we have to go now. Leave Josh, or you know there will be consequences to pay. Ryder puts Josh's body on the ground gently. Raven begins towards Gideon, her head down in shame. Dakota doesn't budge. Where have you been, Gideon? What does that matter? Are you trying to say something? Because from where I'm standing, you're the only one caught breaking rules. The two lock eyes in a fierce, silent battle. I let myself off the ground as Dakota backs down without a word. Her face admits defeat and exhaustion. I follow her towards the group, terrified to say anything at all when Gideon marches over to me. No, not you. You aren't one of us, pretty boy. It's best if you just try to forget everything you saw. You won't remember by the time you wake up tomorrow anyway. No hard feelings. Well, maybe some. Gideon smiles at me in pleasure before stomping away. I look to Dakota for an explanation. Reassurance, anything. She avoids eye contact as she walks past. As if I were the invisible one now. I stand alone. In awe and wonder among the debris of abandoned lunch bags and knocked over tables. I should be terrified. And I am. But if I'm being honest, morbidly so, I'm excited. Dakota is clearly much more than a cat whisperer. And the twins, Gideon too perhaps. I had been the freak my entire life. Able to do unexplainable things and, and suddenly I didn't feel so alone. Dad, I call for my father when I ride back home, leaving school without permission, avoiding the police, EMTs and administrators on the way out. Gideon's threat had me anxious, and my adrenaline had peaked. Could Gideon have killed Josh Harbour, the nicest kid in school? How could anyone do something so evil to someone so nice? Unless, of course, they didn't know they had done it. I shake the thought off as David enters the room. God damn it, Dallas, I was worried sick. The school called and said there was a suicide. They said you didn't return to class. Suicide? What? No way. That's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. He was halfway up the wall. Somebody murdered him. A murder? Dallas, you're all I got left. Please tell me you're being careful and smart. Dad, I'm okay, I promise. It's kid, he was, he was a good guy. I feel the tears build up around my face. David notices and comes over to me with an embrace you would expect only a father could give. Unfortunately, we were no strangers to death. But I can't get Josh's mangled face out of my head. The words written in his blood. The greater the sacrifice. It somehow felt familiar. That night, I decided to go to bed early. I'm not tired, mind you. Anxious, rather. Taking a pen and a notebook to write down the day's memories, just in case. I swear I hear noise from outside the window. I stop what I'm doing for a moment to turn my attention towards it. Hello? Someone is here. I hide behind my desk opposite my bedroom window, listening intently. I pull my hunting knife from its drawer. As the loud sounds disappear, I stay frozen in suspense. It's silent long enough that I consider the whole thing was in my head. 
I'm about to rise from my place on the ground when the phone on my desk rings. Our home's only phone. Installed in my room as David was inebriated most of the time. I contemplate answering it. Uh, hello? I'm trying to climb in your window. <coughs> oh, sorry. I had something in my throat. I'm trying to climb in your window right now. But it's a lot harder to climb a tree than it looks like in the movies. Nice house, by the way. Big Scooby-Doo vibe. It's Travis. I hang up the phone and walk to the window, opening it to hang my head out. She's on the ground in a sitting position. What are you doing here? You know, I always wanted a guy to do this for me, but now I get why they didn't. I think I broke a garden gnome or something. Travis? Oh, right, yeah. I heard about what happened. I mean, kind of. I saw it, kind of. Look, kid, they are going to erase everybody's mind. Legend has it that they come at night and blow dust in your face. Who's coming, Travis? Who? I throw on a hoodie and make my way downstairs to her. You sound like a crazy person. Nice pajamas, and that's rich coming from Mr. I see people who talk to cats. Get a load of this, kid. You can thank me later. Travis reaches in her bag and hands me two soft plugs. I give her a confused look. Earplugs. I'm telling you, this town is controlled by some powerful people. I didn't want to tell you on the street we were too open to being heard. Then boom! Murder at the school. Ugh, nasty business. I saw what those kids did, and I was sure of it then. Witches, Dallas. Witches. Witches? A large and powerful coven. Looks like they've been in these parts a long time. They control the whole town. Rosewood, too, maybe. I thought you were one, actually, until I saw all the others abandon you. That was pretty embarrassing. You were at the cafeteria. Hey, kid, I gotta go before they make their way here. They will want to hit every house in town before tomorrow morning. I'm sure of it. Any jinky staff, school faculty, or students that aren't one of them will be forced to forget what really happened. I've come across witches before. It's how I have a wooden knee. Anyway, it's how they maintain control. It's how no one ever remembers the strings of murder that happen every five years. This one's a little off schedule, no doubt. Look, sleep with these babies in. Oh, and take this. It's protection ward made from Rowan and the Himalayan I stole it from a one-eyed gypsy who made it back in New Orleans. As curious as I am, I don't engage the likely long-winded story about the New Orleans gypsy. Travis removes the necklace from one of her many bags and puts it over my head. The profile of a stag carved from wood hangs from its strings. Its antlers carry a dull red gemstone inside. I think I have a bottle of bat guano in here too. Heard that helps. You know, you know, I'm good. I'm sure the necklace and the earplugs are enough. You should keep something for yourself. Good idea. I'm off the grid, so no reason they should even think to look for me, but just in case. Look, kid, I've got to get deeper undercover, so I can't talk for a while. Be careful and don't forget to pretend that you don't know anything, just exactly like you did the day before yesterday. It's nice to have a friend. I don't have a lot of friends. I hate goodbyes. Did you hear that? I gotta go. I was never here. Travis salutes me as she backs in the woods slowly a few steps, only to turn and run on a dime. While I suspect the noise was most likely Travis's hysteria, I check my surrounding for a minute as I too think I might have heard something tumble in the bushes. Taking myself back to my room, I sit up as I write, feeling too anxious to sleep. I had barricaded the window just in case, which calmed my nerves somewhat. A quarter past three and I'm only half awake. Still in an upright position, I've let myself doze off. It's not until the gemstone around my neck starts to glow, a deep reddish pink that I start to come to. The normally dull red gem is flashing in a methodical pattern when I hear the window start to shake. 
Something seems to be trying to get in again. I spring off the bed in my boxer shorts, knife in hand. The sound from the window seems to be traveling, attempting to come into the room from other entrances when unable to penetrate my window barricade. Finally, the sound finds its way down our chimney and into my room's old school warming chamber, knocking on its metal door. The chamber door swings open and blue dust blows into the room. It swirls around like it's being carried by a violent draft. My necklace starts to flow faster as the dust surrounds me, coming face to face with me like, like a snake that has wrapped itself around my body, charging towards my nose. It's blocked mere inches from my face, like it's being repelled by an invisible barrier, unable to get too close. Get away! I yell as I swing at it ineffectively. Grasping Travis's amulet, I hold it up to the dust. It retracts from the stag face like two opposing magnets. It's a standoff of opposing forces until I get a bright idea. Reaching for a nearby water bottle, I chase the dust into a corner, maneuvering the trail into the bottle and capping it. I watch with bright eyes as the dust rumbles from its prison for a bit, letting it fly in defiance before finally coming to a rest. Its glow dissipates, as does the flashing from my necklace. This was right. They came for me. People I thought could be my friends. Sleep is troublesome, but I manage somewhat. I try not to act weird around David when I head downstairs for breakfast the next morning. So, uh, yesterday. What about yesterday? Anything out of the ordinary? Just this conversation. The first few periods go off without a hitch. It's easy to blend in during class when no one's supposed to be talking anyway. However, when I head to lunch, I start to notice awkward stares from classmates. One group of girls giggles as I walk past them. One guy I don't even know fist bumps me in the hallways. What is going on? Instead of waiting for me, like usual, to walk to lunch, my so-called friend group had made a run for the lunchroom. When I catch up to them, I lock eyes with Gideon. He's decided to sit with them instead of taking his normal lunch cigarette break. Only four chairs sit at the usual five-chair table, each of them occupied. I know it'll be strange if I don't try and sit with them, so I smile, but I'm fuming inside. Dakota, you didn't wait for me. She looks down at her food. Is she ignoring me still? What's going on? Dakota doesn't want to talk to you right now. Not after what you said about her in your interview. He speaks for her with that awful smirk of his. My heart begs that fast-talking Dakota Storm to interrupt him. But she doesn't, and I have no idea what he's talking about. A fake memory that I'm now supposed to remember? I mean, it wasn't that bad, right? To be honest, guys, yesterday is a bit cloudy. I, I think I hit my head or something. I mean, it was pretty bad, man. You showboated a lot, and you grabbed your crotch, dude. Dakota, I'm... Dallas, I think you should leave. You told the whole school you were going to give it to her. Gross. Actually, I don't think you should sit with us anymore at all. I can feel Dakota trying to hold back her tears. Is that... what you want, Dakota? She gives me the slightest of nods, but it's enough to set me off. I march away from the group, and, and even though it was all fake, it still hurts. I decide I'm no longer hungry and throw my food in the trash can as I head somewhere else. Anywhere else. I'm stopped in my tracks by the overhead speaker. Dallas Reed to the principal's office. Dallas Reed to the principal's office. My walk almost turns into a sprint as I head to the admin office. What is going on now? 
How could anyone believe I would say things like that? Ms. Allen is at her desk, guarding the administrator's offices. She doesn't seem as happy to see me as usual. She motions me with disdain to go into the principal's office. Principal Johnson. I'll linger for a moment as I hear the principal on the phone. She motions for me to come in through the glass window. Yes, I'm sure it's just a phase. He just got here, actually. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye now. Hanging up the phone with a concerned look, I can feel my stomach start to turn as she stares me down. Hi, Dallas. I'm Principal Tiffany Johnson. That was your father on the phone. You would have a seat, please? I know being a teenager can be hard, and I know that your emotions and hormones are all over the place, especially when we are being praised by that has-been TV star. And in front of a camera, it, it's easy to see how you acted the way you did. That said, what you said about your fellow student, Dakota Sands, was sexual harassment. And we take that very seriously. I've spoken to both Dakota and her mother, and they are, in my opinion, far too relaxed about this. Mrs. Johnson, you gotta believe me. That's not me at all. Dallas, it is not okay to objectify women. I hope you understand how bad this is and think about the words you said. You are extremely fortunate I'm giving a warning. And it's only because Dakota and her mother practically pleaded with me. I'm also inclined to believe this Hollywood jinkies crew is encouraging this behavior and I feel partially responsible for letting them be here. I know when I've been handed a way out of a bad situation, so I just nod my head. Thank you, ma'am. I understand. I'm very sorry. I'll do better. The principal gives me a nod and I exit in haste, only to hear Mrs. Allen talking to another faculty member. I swear, ever since he started hanging out with Gideon, he's gotten just as bad. Did you hear about what Gideon did? He is one incident away from being expelled, and if Dallas isn't careful, he could be too. I walk past him briskly to avoid any conversation. Now I'm being compared to the asshole of the school. Great. Fuck it, Ian. I've been grounded, which is a joke. I don't leave the house as it is, and I don't have any friends to see. It takes about a week for people to forget about my fake degrading speech and effectively fade into the background, usually a place I'm so comfortable in. But I've become addicted to this strange new world, this constant action. School starts to feel so mundane, like I'm walking among zombies. Zombies who have no idea of the gruesome murder done among them. As weeks progress, I start to get starved for action. I wait for Travis to call, Tina Matthews to beg for an interview, or, or even the colonel to pop up. Why was I craving such anxiety? Things must have gotten awkward with David and Dakota's mother. He's gone less and drinking more, like he used to. In an attempt to get me out of the house and have something more than peanut butter and oatmeal in the fridge, he sends me to get groceries. I contemplate on my way how best I can get the most out of the $20. Howdy. I nod to the grocer with a half smile and start to wander the aisle, looking for items that are both large in quantity for the price, yet somehow filling. Eggs, potatoes, rice, beans, frozen vegetables. I try to consider tax and decide we can spring for some bananas. So we have something fresh in the house. Ready to check out? Uh, yes, please. Hey, you're David's boy, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, sir. I thought y'all lived in the old peninsula house. What are you doing all the way down here? I don't want to tell him the truth. That David is embarrassed to shop too close to home when we don't have a lot of money. 
that the $1.50 savings is worth a long bike ride. I uh, had to go to the bike shop. The Harbor Bike Shop? Boy, that hasn't been open for 16 years. Like, what? Yeah, it's been boarded and abandoned as long as I can remember. Uh, 2056 is your total. Fuck. I, uh, I actually don't need the bananas. Uh, hey, do you, uh, did you know the owners? I hand him the $20. I'm red with shame. He could tell. I did. They left town about the same time as the shop closed. Why well, have miscarriage? A boy. Actually, yeah, I almost forgot. It's 10% coupon day. He scans the bananas anyway and hands me the chain with a bashful smile. He's embarrassed for me. As I leave the shop, I start towards Harbor's bike shop around the corner. As soon as I can see it, I can tell the man is correct. Boarded, wrecked, graffitied. When just last week it was pristine and welcoming as could be. A faint voice from inside sends shivers up my spine. Despite its risk, the potential action seduces me inside, past an unhinged border where a window once was. Oh, Caleb. Oh, kiss me, Caleb. I'd caught them making out. Not quite the conspiracy I thought I was walking into. I can see only her blonde hair and black sports bra from this angle. She is petite and tiny compared to him, large and muscled. I get red again immediately, hiding deeper behind the wall. Now you say my name. Caleb? Did you hear me? Yeah, girl, yeah, you're the hottest girl I know, Jessica. Are you serious right now? Oh, <laughs> my God. I should have listened to Christine. You are unbelievable. Ah, oh, yeah, don't listen to her, baby. Don't listen to her. You're my number one. Chelsea? I am so out of here. Apparently, you have to be rich, bitchy Blair Sinclair for you to even remember a name. I can hear her stomping towards me, but there's nothing I can do when she rounds the corner screaming at the side of me. Ah! I can't believe you even let your little pervert friend watch. She hits me with her purse a couple of times, and I'm not sure I don't deserve it. Caleb has gotten a shirt on now and is carrying his jacket when he finds me. What's going on down there, weirdo? Pulling your meat while you spy on us? This one of us was getting off. Wait a minute. I don't remember you. You're that kid that was on our turf on the first day of class. Sorry to make a run of you, dude. But rules are rules. I recognize him immediately as well. He crashed my bike, and now he's disrespecting the family shop of the murdered boy who fixed it. Actually, isn't this technically Star's Rest territory? Seems like you're the one who shouldn't be here. <laughs> you witches are all the same. Always on some moral high horse when you go ahead and erase people's memories. Completely erase the fact of there even being a shop here. Still, you want to lay claim to it as your territory? He knows about Josh. And he's talking about witches like he isn't one. Either way, this is our territory. And you are in it. You don't want me to have to call my friends, do you? After all, rules are rules. I let the last word rest on his ears, using his assumption of me to my advantage. I watch his brain decide how fast he could take me down. I'm not sure I could take him. See you around, Red. I exhale from gratefulness and run out to my bike and groceries. He's thrown them about. God damn it! I kick the wall in anger, hearing David already yelling at me in my ear. We have the fight all the time. He gives me too little money to shop, gets upset when I come home with so little. I yell at him for putting me into a stupid, expensive private school. Even my grandfather is paying for it. In my frustration, I avoid heading back home right away. Instead, riding by Dakota's. I just wanted to look. Her car is parked outside, but her mother's isn't. A motorcycle stands in the driveway instead. I don't know what comes over me. 
I have to know who it is. I make my way through the side of her house into the immaculate backyard. The blinds covering the sliding door are only partially closed, and as I peek through, I'm disappointed by how normal everything is. No cauldrons, no broomsticks, no hats. I overhear Dakota's voice respond to a male voice. I don't know. Dakota's not supposed to be alone with boys, and even if she was, she wouldn't be. I tell myself it's concern for Dakota's well-being that makes me climb the banister up to the second-story window. It's a wonder I hadn't learned my lesson about snooping today. The rush was just what I'd been craving. I could see Dakota's bedroom, a hallway through an open door and an entrance to a bathroom. Hurry up and get some clothes on before she gets home and catches us. A 30-something man emerges from the bathroom. He wears only a towel and is brushing his teeth like he owns the place. Don't worry, she's not going to catch us. She doesn't even know I'm here. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Innocent, strong-willed Dakota, falling for a man clearly way too old for her. I feel my blood boiling when a face emerges on the other side of the window. Sebastian the cat has startled me and I fly backwards into the bush and shrubbery. It takes only a moment as I attempt to recover from the fall that Dakota has popped her head out from the window. Dallas? Are you alright? Uh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing's broken. I was just... leaving. I'm coming down. I've just gotten myself untangled and on my feet when Dakota enters the yard through the sliding back door. She's breathtaking in a fancy black dress and her hair done up like I've never seen. The typical tomboy Dakota is nowhere to be found. Wow, you look, um, wow. Th that's how you're dressing now. <laughs> mm, do you like it? She smiles and it's golden. And in that moment, everything feels back to normal. Just for a moment, until the man in her bathroom steps in the yard as well. He's wrapping his arms with some cloth-like material. This guy bothering you, Dax? Ew, he gave her a nickname. Bothering her? You're the one walking around with a buff. Does everyone in this town have abs? Seriously, can you put a shirt on? And why are you wrapping your hands? Why is he wrapping his hands like he's gonna fight me? This is what you're into these days? Dallas, this is my older brother, Jeremiah. He's a boxer. He's visiting for Halloween. And he's going to spoil the surprise party for mom if he doesn't get ready so we can get out of here before mom comes home. Jeremiah's warning look towards me turns to Dakota and then back at me again before turning around to enter the house. Sorry, uh, context, context is important. Dallas, you shouldn't be here. You know that. She's looking at the floor so she doesn't have to look at me. I know, but we, we never got to talk. The last couple of months have been confusing, but I think you know how much I respect you. And I think you know I didn't say those things about you. Of course I know that, but it's just better for both of us if we aren't friends. It's dangerous. Joshua was murdered. You know I didn't forget. <laughs> I think the others might have bought it, but I know you too well. You're not a very good liar. And you've been wearing that anti-witch necklace every day since. I tuck the necklace back into my shirt. Well, well, this is great. Things can go back to normal. They can't. My people won't allow you to remember. I'd be in trouble just talking to you at this point. A lot of them think you are one of them. A spy from Rosewood. Or a vampire. Mom and I know better, but your gifts scare them. They fear me? Wait, you know about my... sins? Gideon and I experienced the same thing when you touched us. Then the remarkable thing you did saving that girl? We don't believe in coincidence around here. 
We believe in magic. I don't know what I am. Dax! I have to go. I'm sorry. She's somber as she turns away. I do whatever I have to keep her from leaving. Wait! I get her to stop at least. I... I... I was just getting to know you. And well... I liked it. I'm almost pleading. She doesn't say a word. Clenching her jaw, she closes the door behind her. Um... I like you. I say to no one. My dreams find me. And why shouldn't they? The day had gone so well. My 11-year-old self stands with his stuffed bear among the bathroom door. Knowing this game, I ignore the sounds of the drowning girl on the other side and check behind me to catch the hand that usually finds my shoulder. No one. As I turn back, the door is cracked open. I push it through to watch the girl's head being held underwater. The hand that holds her down lets up, and the drowned, ice-cold, dead face of my sister, Hope, stares at me. Dallas, how could you? 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 The walls feel like they are closing Dallas, in as she taunts me. You? The usually Dallas, shadowed face you? of the culprit Dallas, is finally revealed. My face, Dallas, smiling at me as he chants Dallas, with her. How could you? The greater the sacrifice. The greater the sacrifice. Dallas, how great the sacrifice. Dallas, 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 Dallas. The voice of the girl with wings warned me. I run with my hands holding my ears. I yell to drown out the chanting spirits until I'm transported back into my bedroom. I catapulted myself into an upright position. My covers are off and my naked chest drips in sweat. My hair is drenched. Murderer stings and glows on my chest in my dread. Then I realize I'm floating several feet above my bed. What the f***? Hey guys, Michael North here. Thank you for listening to the episode. Please, please, please show me your support by leaving a comment on Apple Podcasts or subscribing to the pod. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter where you can track my other projects and my LGBTQ superhero novel coming out March of 2021. That's at Michael North with a one instead of an L of Michael. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-1-N-O-R-T-H. Bye.